Hello and welcome all to the Partnered Primary Care Research Podcast. Research for you, by you. A podcast dedicated to learning more about patient and community partners in patient-oriented primary care research in Canada. The Primary and Integrated Healthcare Innovations Network is proud to present this podcast with a focus on public representation in health. Join us to discover who our community partners are in our network and the people who work with them. Hi, and welcome to the Partnered Primary Care Research Podcast, research for you, by you. My name is Jillian Bartlett Esplant, and I'm the Executive Director of the Network Coordinating Office of the Primary and Integrated Healthcare Innovations Network. I am very pleased to have Lynn Mansell from Alberta here today as our guest. Hi, Lynn, and welcome. Please tell us a bit about yourself. Okay, I um, grew up in Alberta, born and raised, and I'm now semi-retired. My, I grew up in a very small town, actually, and then moved to this city when I went to university. And I took a degree in pharmacy. And then uh, 10 years later, after some pharmacy practices that I wanted to build on, I took a master's in health services administration at the University of Alberta. And since then, my career has been in the health system in a variety of roles as the structures and health authorities and all of that changed in Alberta over the years. And I guess you could say my main focus has been in the senior South population, but also in planning and quality improvement in terms of field. Thank you. I spent some of my childhood growing up in Alberta, so very fond memories, lovely place to grow up, beautiful province. So why don't you tell us a little bit about why you became a patient partner? I guess there's two main reasons. In the last five years of my career, I was fortunate enough to be involved with my employer, Alberta Health Services, in creating strategic clinical networks. And they, as I said, on seniors health, as but also with bone and joint health, I had responsibility for both of those as kind of the leader, administrator, But what impressed me so much was that the theory of the groups was that we brought together clinicians, researchers, patient partners, planners, economists, all kinds of people to try and come up with solutions to make the health system uh, a higher quality, better service to patients and more efficient. So those networks cut across the whole of the province. And we actually were tasked with achieving some improvements in a certain period of time. We even had a dragon's den where we had to make our pitches. And so we were constantly getting feedback. But I, I, that was the first time where I really had direct experience with patient partners. And, and they inspired me so much because they were not only thoughtful people with their own experiences, but they really focused on that role and how to make it better. Some with formal education and some informally. And part of my role as leader was to make sure they had their voices heard. I guess the second reason was more personal and I saw the need for patient partners and advocates uh, through my mother's journey through the health system as she aged, eventually having 
dementia, which was the issue that really made such a difference to her ability to speak for herself. So I was a caregiver starting one, she was in home care and then in a supportive living setting, long-term care. And in spite of having the good luck to have a physician who had special training in geriatrics, her journey was really kind of bumpy from time to time, especially when she ran up against emergency services. For example, people wondering whether she had the right at her age to use hospital services to things that happen to you in long-term care, like pressure ulcers, lack of mobility after having the flu drugs, and just the need to have someone there to speak for you. And, and that's really, while that was happening, I was moving towards retirement and had to make the transition from one side of the desk to the other. So I was uh, no longer a professional, I was a patient partner. And that was an interesting experience because I've had mostly really great experiences as a patient partner, but it does give you a different perspective and it does teach you the value of the patient voice. I think you touched on two things there that I think are hugely important for patient partners and what they bring to the table. And one is innovation. It's a different perspective and that's what sparks creativity and innovation And the other is the lived experience. A lot of times within the healthcare system, people may be really, really familiar with the part they are part of, but the patients travel through the whole system. And they're often carers for people in different contexts, such as long-term care homes. And there may be some things that the professionals don't realize because they don't do that complete journey. So very interesting. So you've explained a lot about why you became a patient partner. What do you, what does it mean more to you? You talked a bit about your situation as a caregiver for your mother. What does it mean to you to be a patient partner? And tell us a little bit about your experience in primary care and what matters to you, because you've been a patient partner now involved in the network for a while. What's that mean for you? I think it's having more of a collaborative approach to being part of the health system and part of research. So what has impressed me and what has meant a lot to me is the the kind of the respect and and acknowledgement you get that your views are important. I have involvement in two, currently two research projects, one as a co-PI and one as a community advisor. And it's been meaningful because of the way people listen to you and the way they seek out your opinions. What does For example, how would we take all this research data that we've got in our first phase and make some kind of public facing document? So I I felt like I had something to offer because I could talk about the use of plain language and infographic approaches that patients and their families care about and what speaks to them. So that has really been uh, something I've appreciated. And I, as the chair of the National Patient Council for PICI, I think it's been a great uh, learning experience for all of us. I'm not sure at the beginning what was envisioned for patient partners in PICI, but I don't think any of us really knew. So we were had the opportunity to kind of make it up as we go along and to get involved in many things by raising our hands and saying, this is what we want to do. Um, one of the things that impressed me the most in the last year 
in terms of being a patient partner and talking to other patient partners, most of whom on the National Patient Council I have never met in person. But I think I'll always remember when we started getting together early in the pandemic to talk about personal experiences, what we were going through as patients. And we called them just check-ins, had no agenda. We just went around the table and shared our fears and our challenges and supported each other. And in spite of it being online experience, I think it really made us get to know each other and understand each other. Even though we were the professional patients, we still had a lot to learn about how people experienced crises in their lives. And and as I said, we did get to know each other a lot. So that really touched me. And uh, I guess the other part about in the last year that has struck me as really interesting is that I think partly because of my experience of the last few years as a patient partner, I was asked to do some reviews for CIHR as a patient partner. Now I had done them before as a decision maker, and now I'm uh, on the other side. And I was, I was very impressed with attitude of the, the researchers and with CIHR leaders in terms of listening to what the patients had to say and their opinions on the research. I never once felt like I didn't know enough about the statistics or about the methodology or anything like that. They really wanted us to focus on what opinions we did have. And it was a really affirming experience. Just to remind our listeners, PICI is the delightful acronym we use for the Primary and Integrated Healthcare Innovations Network. So that's the network who's hosting this. And that is where Lynn is referring to the Pan-Canadian Patient Council. And we draw on patient partners from across Canada, some of whom I've already been interviewed for the podcast and more coming up. Lynn, you said that you went from being a, a professional on one side of the healthcare system to a patient partner, uh, and that must have been an interesting experience, and you did that because you were exposed to patient partners. Do you have advice for someone of thinking of becoming a patient partner? So obviously, this can be just about anybody, but what advice yeah. do you have? What would you have liked to have known before you embarked on this journey? I think I would ask questions about exactly what my role would be and whether or not I would get some coaching and orientation. Sometimes you kind of are thrown in and like everyone is on the team and are expected to ask questions if you need to. But I think patient partners are coming from a place, most of them, where they've maybe never been involved in anything like that before. So they, I think having a more formal orientation would be good. I know that I had a little bit of that through one-on-one conversations with the leaders, and and that was really appreciated. I I think if you're thinking about getting involved with a particular initiative, you should try to match your experience with the goals of that initiative, instead of just being like the patient. If you don't have the experience of diabetes or um, arthritis or whatever is a focus, it makes it harder for you to feel confident in offering your advice and opinions. I think it helps too to have other patient partners to work together to ask for help and be on a little team of them, especially if they're a bit more experienced in their roles. So a buddy system, I think would be a great idea. 
And I guess the last little bit of advice would be that you're there to give the patient's perspective, but not necessarily to tell your own story over and over. So you have to kind of pull back a little bit and say, well, what would the patients who might benefit from this research have to say? instead of perhaps your bad experience or your good experience or that you may be asked to give your story at the beginning and that's fine feel free but i think the role is to represent more than just yourself so that that takes a little bit of getting used to i think there should be some recognition of your involvement and we can get into that later but i think the patient involvement should be right from the beginning so much better if you can help with the design of the project or maybe even the uh, question that is trying to be answered. Yes, the answers you get are completely dependent on the question and the answers different people want will be depending on if they're a patient or a provider or somebody Mm -hmm. else. So Lynn, do you have any messages for researchers out there who are new to patient-partnered research and are considering embarking on this challenging but rewarding endeavor? And I think we had discussed earlier one of the things that you uh, found very moving or helpful in your patient-partner journey were getting to know your patient partners and checking in. Is this um, something the researchers can help facilitate? Yes, I think that's an idea for the researchers too. I mean, so that the team can get to know each other, especially in this time where so much is being done online. I think having a patient story when you're setting out to make, to do an initiative of any kind or to develop a new policy or implement a new guideline, it always hits home more if you have a patient story at the beginning. And that ideally comes from the patient not from someone who's speaking on behalf because they don't have any patients on that group. So yes, first of all, you have to have patients on your team. I would suggest that there be patients on the team before you even write the application. And I know there's some worries sometimes about, well, how will we compensate patients if we don't have a grant yet? There, there are ways of getting some help, but often I think patients would contribute just like any other member of the team would before funding happens because they really want to be part of that. So I think starting as early as possible, different patients will have different, I guess, preferences about what kind of role they might have. They might not all want to be involved in the research question, but I I think more and more, as much as we can, we should have that offer. And then others may prefer to be involved in the knowledge translation, in the even the methodology or other or the writing. I'm seeing more and more co-authors that are patients. And I think that's an excellent approach. I think you do have to think about patient compensation when you're doing the research budget. Researchers should include something there. But that doesn't take the place of just general appreciation and recognition. So that's important too. And I, I guess reaching out as often as you can to let patients know what's going on. I I know a couple of the projects I'm involved in have had unavoidable delays over the last year. And the worst thing is if there's no communication or no explanation about why 
aren't we seeing these results yet? Or why are we late? Or did you forget about me? So I think ongoing communication is important. Being part of a presentation, like at a conference or a poster presentation is also, I think, really valuable. I know a couple of the conferences I went to, thank you to um, Picky. I was so impressed with the ones who had their patients with them and you could ask them questions about the project. They knew just as much, if not more, about, about the project than the researchers did. And I think that one of the challenges is increasing the diversity of our patient input. As I said, it's sometimes in the, the conferences, you would see Indigenous representatives. And it was so impressive to see them helping to shape their research, present it, being part of it from start to finish. But it's not an easy thing to do for researchers. But I think more and more, you're probably not going to get funding or approvals for projects that don't have a diverse approach to involving patients. And, and also your results won't be implemented because they only apply to a narrow group in the population. So those are a few things. I think it's really worth it to researchers to have patient partners involved, not just because you have to, but because your research will be better for it and will probably be implemented more quickly and with more support in the end. Yeah, that's an excellent point. Both both about the diversity, about the building of relationship, because any partnered research is built on relationships and and you need that personal touch to, to build those relationships. So any final words? I think we're on the right path. I, I think primary health care can be a model for other groups because it's always been kind of messy. It's out there in the community. We don't have good control groups and we don't know exactly what's going to happen in our research or in our collaborations, but it's always been very dependent on patients being part of a team. So I think there's a lot of opportunity for primary health care to show others how to involve patients more and to implement what we learn. Thank you, Lynn. I always am really enjoying these uh, podcasts because it allows me to get to know even better our patient partners and hear more about their journeys and their stories and also sharing the lessons so others can embark on this very rewarding, maybe a little bit more work, but super rewarding endeavor. So For those of you wondering how you can get involved as a patient or community partner, if you go to our website, spore-picky.com, that is S-P-O-R-P-I-H-C-I.com, on the landing page, there is a map. If you click on your province or territory, the links for that particular Picky network will appear. On their website, you should find more information on how to link with your local primary care research groups. At the bottom of the page, there's also a link under Get in Touch that will allow you to email us directly. This is the same page where you can find our previous podcasts. I'd like to thank our production staff, Anique Baudry, Jamie Demore, and our own production patient partner, Kent Cadigan Lofsgaard. Join us for our next episode for more voices from our patient and community partners, where we highlight the active and engaging role they play in our patient-oriented research agenda for primary care. In other words, more research for you, by you. This podcast was brought to you by the Primary and Integrated Healthcare Innovations Network, 
otherwise known as the PICI Network, in collaboration with the Alberta Strategy for Patient-Oriented Research PICI Network. Visit our website at sporepicky.com. That's S-P-O-R hyphen P-I-H-C-I dot com to learn more about our activities and upcoming events.